question for you, young lady. Every one of the kids in this house is happy except for you. Why is that? No, What's your problem? Stop it! All I can say is that my life is very complicated. I'm sorry, but I didn't get half of what you said. This is a real Canadian movie podcast, Independent Investigation. Hey there, and welcome to the RCMP. That's the Royal Canadian Movie Podcast. I'm your host today, Becky Shrimpton, and today I'm talking to filmmaker and documentarian Charles Officer about his new film, Invisible Essence, The Little Prince. The film is really remarkable. Exploring the classic novel from a number of different angles, from experts to film and audio interpretations, to the life of the author, Saint-Exupéry himself, and the experiences of a little boy named Sahil, whose insatiable sense of curiosity and joy may just make him a modern little prince. Charles Officer is an incredible filmmaker, and if you get the chance, you'll want to check out his other work, including one of our favorite feature films here on the podcast, Nurse Fighter Boy and the devastatingly poignant documentary, Unarmed Verses. If you're in Toronto, you should check out Invisible Essence on the big screen this Friday, March 8th, 2019, at the Ted Rogers Hot Docs Theatre, where Charles will be in attendance for a Q&A. But first, here's my own Q&A with filmmaker Charles Officer. We are such big fans of Nurse Spider Boy over here, so that when I saw that you were available for an interview, I was like, yes, yes, please! So, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. That's so kind. That's Awesome. My pleasure. And of course, the film is stunning. Uh, I watched it this weekend and uh, had about six balled up Kleenexes. My boyfriend's like, do you need something? I was like, no, I'm good. Soul being cleansed. I'm fine. (laughs) Oh, wow. That's awesome. Well, I mean, it's just, it's, you know, it's, I think we can use, you know, emotional releases, you know, at times. And I think cinema allows for that, as we know. But I think, yeah, a good... A good little, it's not even like a set, it's just a good cleanse. Exactly, it feels good. And I actually wanted to ask you, so I watched a a clip of you showing this on CBC to a bunch of kids, and I wanted to know how kids are reacting to this versus how adults are reacting to this. You know, it's amazing. And and those kids were, um, majority of them, they're, they're all experiencing some sort of visual impairment. So they're they're using their senses in a whole other way. But the young ones that have been watching it, it like it's, I've been getting some notes even, you know, from the United States, even from young folks who are like, like early teens, like 12, 13, and uh, they're moved. I don't know. It's, 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 I didn't expect it because I felt like, you know, the, the conception about around the book itself that it's a children's book, but I feel like it's, it's, it's actually, in a, it's an adult children's book, yeah. you know? Um, if it wasn't, you know, those illustrations kind of put in that sort of space. But when you were, you know, looking at this story, uh, you know, as as a grown person, it's 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 quite fascinating. But but I would say that the reactions between the two have uh, we we're just in New York and, 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 and also show for some young folks there. And they they just they just kind of absorb it and they and they and they get it. And I, and I think it's also. You know, the book is also talking about, you know, um, childhood and this sort of space of being, you know, this this child. And and I think that they all are kind of relating to that specifically. 
Cool. That's so amazing. And I can't help but think, I mean, of so many other books that we we have like this. I mean, you think about Peter Pan. Um, and then, of course, you've yeah. got, uh, I mean, the stories of Roald Dahl are so transcendent. And as you're exploring um, Saint-Exupéry's life, which this was something I was not familiar with, it was interesting to draw the parallels between Saint-Exupéry and Roald Dahl because Roald Dahl also flew, uh, I believe, in the RAF over deserts. And when he came back, he was writing stories about his exploits there that were all fake. But, right, right. Yeah, but still wonderful. And so I can't help but wonder about what that sort of sense of adventure and that sort of joy and and um, almost, uh, I, I, I don't even know if there's a word for it in English. I'm sure there's some beautiful <laughs> European or Arabic word for it. Because you're willing to put yourself out there so much and have these adventures, you're able to connect to children and write universal truths in a different way. What yeah, do you think? I think so. And I think, you know, this is the the... The beauty of uh, even in the statement of this book from this author and this, you know, this Frenchman who barely spoke English. He, he spoke Arabic better than he spoke, spoke English, but he got out in the world. He explored. He went. He, he didn't. He embraced. He, he, he seeked out other culture and 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 that contributed to his understanding of the world as a whole where we're seeing you know in today's time at times you know there there are people who are very very regional and ter- territorial and and even when we're talking about borders like there's a you know there's this little clip in the film where I'm talking in the king and I found this clip and he's talking about borders and that and immediately when I heard that from the from the 1974 film that Stanley Donen uh, created uh, he who just recently passed away he made singing in the rain you know he amazing man but like you know i found that resonating so much with me right now is that as we're talking about borders and we're talking about closing off and this sort of fear that's around people coming in and taking things from us um when you know all these societies i mean specifically in western society british society colonial societies where you know it was you know people brought in uh, against their own will <laughs> uh, and and have built these societies and our understanding of that. And it's like, you know, what? So this this idea of being able to explore and, and that is a childlike sort of, you know, curiosity that 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 where children are, are going around and seeking things and they're like oh you know this is a, a friend that I'm meeting in the in this playground in this other place and I'm just going to go there and 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 discover and Saint Exupery carried that and I think that you know translates in the book and and I think it's a, it's a, it's a message to us that 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 you know these borders that we set up they exist and I'm sure there, there's reasons for them, but you know, it's not until that we are integrating with one another that we're actually getting a better understanding of ourselves as human beings, and and to try to create a wash that there's, you know, an evil force in all these sort of individuals. Well, we're human beings. There's we we carry the 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 yin and the yang, and 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 so you know. But that, but 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 generally, I think there's you know there's goodness in humankind, and breaking down those borders that are just between like the person that's sitting next to you on the subway because they they look differently is uh, is 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 the direction I think he's trying to tell us, you know. Yeah, yeah, totally. And it's it's kind of fascinating to me because, I mean, obviously you explore the trials and tribulations he was going through, especially as he wrote this right in the middle of World War II where he was basically an exile. Yes. And there's something 
about it, which is like, okay, does great art have to come from great hardship or can it come from great joy as well? Yeah, I mean, it's a great question. You know, in my own personal journey, it was painful. Art was coming from a painful place. And and it's also you're young and you have all these sort of things. And and I think, you know, um, great, I, I, I think, I think though, there's a there's a connection between you know struggle and and hardships and the the things that 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 force artists to react and respond and give their sort of you know interpretation or a thing to relieve or or some sort of healing thing. I think art does come from that, but I do think as you get older as well, you can find some sort of neutral space where it doesn't always have to be so painful, um, and 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 that you're bringing some sort of joy to it. I, I still feel like the Little Prince; it still carries like this remarkable sense of hope. Yeah. And an enlightenment, and I think that through the despair and through the the ugly things or these sort of characters, uh, these these sort of these tropes that we can fall into as human beings in the way that we behave on this planet, there's joy, there's great things. They should not negate the the joy, and and I think and and the hope and the spirit of things. Um, that that allow that I think art allows people to kind of fight through things. We resort to a song to get us through like m- t- hard times. We we resort to like you know s- good painting or beautiful like some dance. We 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 go and we seek these things to find that joy to connect and and I, I and I think that there's a balance there. But but um, but I think that some of the greatest things that are on our planet that have been left did come out of hard times. You know. It's 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 sad that that in a way that, you know, this author, this artist, you know, who's also had this very, very technical side of his brain that I cannot fathom, you know, really felt the work, really was sensitive to what was happening and 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 found this sort of in through his despair, his his depression, he gave us a gift. You know, um, and I think that many artists do that. And there's something so fascinating and so beautiful about the fact that he was that he decided to write it for children, that he mm-hmm. decided to speak to younger people and also talk about the betrayal of adults to younger people so that they could observe those pitfalls and do their best not to not to walk in those shoes. Absolutely. And, you know, and I just have to bring this up because it's it's irking me. Um, you know, I've just recently not to change off topic and, and, and but it's like, you know, just recently watched watching uh, Leaving Neverland. I had to cue and talk about this film. And it's a hard, hard film to take in. And, you know, and I I couldn't help but while I'm watching it, reflect back to like The Little Prince and, you know, this idea of even Michael Jackson of this sort of place and this sort of innocence and sort of this sort of space. But then there's this message. I really wish that folks would, you know, take this book and read it more acutely because it is talking about how we treat our children, how we stifle them from their creative, uh, you know, expressions, how we steer them into this way, how we adults manipulate children, and 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 we say this in the better goodness for this for the children, right? And we're adults. We were once children, and Mark Osborne says it in the film. It's like we were all we all came through come through that rite of passage. But somehow when we become adults, we we become calculated and we become, you know, we're we're checking numbers and, and that's a metaphor of like, you know, things have got to add up in this and way and and you gotta maneuver things and manipulate to get what you want and and you know it it's 
it's really heartbreaking that we that's that's actual possibility for us to grow into you know especially when you you know you're asking kids when they're in you know grade two and three who can sing who could dance every kid's putting up their hand and who who can draw i can and then by the time they're in grade six no one's putting up their hand anymore. And that's something that's fascinating to me. I mean, your work has obviously visited this before, is how fast is too fast for a kid to grow up? Yes. What sort of things can they handle? I mean, a spoiler alert for a book that everybody should have read at this point. Well, otherwise, what are you doing with your life? But <laughs> the little prince kind of commits suicide at the end. To what end? You're like, you're not, you're not entirely sure based on your interpretation of the ending. But yes. there's a lot of stuff in it that you're like, can a kid handle this? How do I want to protect them? How do I want to help them grow? And I think that's what discussion is. And I don't know if we have these important talks anymore about these complex children's novels. I agree. And it's like, you know, and when we look at even television or the way media is is presented, like it's funny how we, you know, um, the sex education curriculum in Ontario, how it's we're afraid to talk about these things that we're going to naturally grow into. What are we hiding? I mean, there is a space of protecting and there's a gauge of how much, you know, information you need to feed a child. But there, but there's so much stuff around that they can access this stuff in the wrong ways. Yeah. And so you might as well, especially now in, our, in this technological boom of a time, to step in there and and to steer those children on the at least the right path so that they're getting some of the information that is valuable and breaking it down with them. Like, I don't know, you know, so many taboos have been like, you know, dismantled, you know, as time goes on that it's like, it's, it's, it's like, what, do, where, where do we do that? It's, suicide is massive. Yeah. And then we're hearing about it, like, you know, young kids and we're in the highest time right now where we're witnessing so many children, I call them children, you know, that that are taking their own lives. Well, you even see something like the Momo Challenge, which is currently being talked about, where it's a creature that's encouraging children to self-harm. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. And it's like, how do we intercept that? And like, you know, we know it's there. So they're going to find it. And and um, and so so this this sort of space of children to adults, you know, that saying, you know, once I hate to, you know, once a woman, twice a child, once a man, twice a child, once, you know, it's like we, there's this middle place where we, it's almost like we have this wisdom when we're children, we have this wisdom when we're older and this, this whole space in the middle where we just flounder and, 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 and manipulate and, and, and get things wrong and, and cause disruptions in relationships and for the next generation and kind of really pick up and have to clean up after, you know, a big mess. It's, it's like, you know, what are we leaving and what are we planting for these, you know, when we, you know, the metaphor of the, the baobab trees and these seeds and these seeds that we, that we don't, you know, you can, they're good seeds and they're not so good seeds. And how do we, how do we nurture good seeds? How do we kind of grow together? Like, you know, and it's, and it's, and it's, uh, it's something that we, we can really, tap back into in a little more acute way right now. Yeah, I agree. There's a, oh, I, I wish I had looked up what this reference was. I know there's a major CEO somewhere of like one of the Fortune 500 companies, maybe Fortune 100, who every year he reads Huckleberry Finn to right. remind himself of the value of humanity and the value of freedom and, and why everybody matters. 
which is huge. Yeah. That's beautiful. I agree. And and so within that, I think there's something about revisiting the key points in children's stories, because the ones that have endured with us, um, your Winnie the Poohs, your, your Peter Pans, we talked about that earlier, even your Mary Poppins, there's always some key human truth that we believe universally matters, and it's what will, what will carry us forward and what will continue to perpetuate us. It's our seeds, our good seeds. Absolutely. And, and you know, and good seeds... Kind of, you know, my friends go around. You're a good egg. He's a good egg. <laughs> but Your friends are like, all British and ninety, right? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, you attract, and 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 you hopefully get under, you know, some good seeds that you see that are young, and 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 guide them, you know. And and that is, I think, that is our our, our duty as 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 adults. Like that's what we're supposed to be doing. And and anything off of that is like, well, then what are you doing? You know, if you if you can't check that for yourself, then I, there's going to be problems. Yeah. You know? yeah. Well, I wanted to ask you too about the interpretations because you're doing an interpretation of a book that's covering a number of different and people's interpretations and all the films and all the audio projects. How did you put that into one cohesive whole? Yeah, it was quite a challenge. I mean, when this project came around, it was like, you know, this 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 reaction was like, yes, I want to do it. No, I don't. <laughs> no, like how? What? You know, um, sounds exciting, but now what? You know, um, and through 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 you know brainstorming on this book and and thinking about the various sort of ideas of looking at okay what is a phenomenon around this book why does it transcend all these languages and cultures and gender and religion and borders how how is this so and you know with that being said it's like you know try to get, gather some very interesting you know, uh, people to, to discuss it chapter by chapter, um, and and see where they what resonated with them and what in, enlightenment, what what sort of ideas that they can bring to it. Because you know, you the beautiful thing about novels and, and books is that you know it's yours and your interpretation when you read it. But sometimes hearing someone else talk about what they got from it and so can open you up to something that you didn't think about before. And I thought. You know, as I was going through and having my pre-interviews and stuff, there were things that I was getting that I was like, I didn't see it like that. I didn't, I, and 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 I have, you know, my interpretation. So it's it wasn't to kind of create a sort of definitive interpretation of the book, but it's like, you know, these are these are some thoughts that I found that were that were intriguing and, and interesting that that I think publicly I would I want to share them with others, and and everyone has. The, the the common denominator with everyone that's actually in the film is that they all have real like personal and specific feelings about the book and and from suicide to sacrifice to you know to love to to the kind of characters that are presented the the only female in the in the in the story the like there's so many beautiful interpretations um, and 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 trying to manage that in in a structural chapter by chapter linear way, but then also looking at, you know, where the the creator, the the author of this book, the artist, how his life and experience fed into this piece of art as well. You know, that was his interpretation of what he experienced. You know, as well. It's like if you're speaking to you know Santec Superi and, and Consuelo probably in the same room and having them you know talk about one moment that they had or even their, their wedding I'm sure you know you'd get two different like stories 
that are basically the same, but two different specific perspectives. And, 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 and that is the, the beauty of this book as well is, is that I was hoping that all this, the, this concophony that we put together in this film would lead people back to the book so that they can actually revisit maybe from the last time they read it to, or if it's even their first time that there might be some ideas they can take in, but then there's room for their own ideas to be and their own interpretations to kind of live within how they take the, take in the book. And and thank you so much for including um, his relationships in this, especially as it sort of relates to the Rose, because without that context, you're like, okay, I can take the Ruby Cower sort of perspective right. of this of like, mm, yeah, I don't know how I feel about this. But then when you understand what he was going through, you're like, oh, you were talking about one specific human being who was uh, who brought you joy and tore you apart simultaneously. Who hasn't had that? Everybody's been 16. Exactly. <laughs> and it, right. And yeah. it's like once has has, you know, major. I mean, you get through a certain place and that's a rite of passage from childhood to adulthood is uh, a broken heart <laughs> and 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 that struggle and that pain and what that feels like and 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 learning from that and and does it make you bitter and does it make you or does it make you like you know self-reflect on on where you need to improve is it always about the other person when you know you've dated like 10 different people and it's always about the other person right it's like you know they've all done something wrong without that self-reflection and which I love, you know, the relationship with the fox and the taming and this idea of 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 of, of patience and and sitting with someone and and what what that actually takes, you know, in our time of Tinder and our time of like swiping and and fast 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 and you know connections and and this and that and jumping, it's it's like what about that? What about what do you really know about a person and what time does that really take? You know, you can have the the instantaneous sparks, but and then there's going to be trials in this relationship that you may, you know, encounter. And how are you and who are you when those when those situations arise? And and the book, you know, the little prince points to those sort of things. And um, I love that, you know, in the end, it's like, you know, even just this idea around this muzzle and this muzzle wasn't on the sheep and will it eat the rose and and pointing it back to the to 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 the the reader of of just like if you decide that, you know, that he has this muzzle, if you don't decide, like, what is it? What if, if you choose however you choose is going to determine what's on the other end of that joy, pain. So I, I, at the end, I think it's still coming back to an idea of our choices, you know, and, and, and how, how critical they are and, and how we leave our legacies and how we move on this planet. It's like our, these choices and trying at least, you know, to, to make the better choices. And that you have a choice. That's such a big thing too. Does he stay? Does he leave? What is the choice? Absolutely. You have a choice. And, you know, um, and I think, yeah, do you run away and leave and, and something still haunts you and it's still the things that we carry with us physically, emotionally is with us wherever we go physically, you know, as well. You run away and do, do you choose to do the work? Do you, do you have an enlightening experience that actually tells you something, you know, well, my heart is actually there and I'm going back, you know, to the rose, you know, um, and and how do you distinguish like your one rose from all the the bed of roses and everything looks the same? Like what makes it unique to you? What are these unique relationships that we have and how do we identify them and take care of them? 
like we have to recognize that some of these relationships are unique and, and so we're not taking them for granted and and uh, I'm guilty of it. I've done it numerous times in my life and I, and I, and I, and I feel terrible for those those, those situations and um, but hopefully you know you grow from them and you're able to identify them so you're not repeating them. <laughs> <laughs> so then I have to ask how do you do you think kids instinctually take the messages that are intended from this book or do they require that little bit of guidance? I think you know for myself like even reading it in my early 20s I mean I needed guidance. So I mean <laughs> <laughs> There were things that resonated, but things that were just over my head in this sort of magic realistic that you're still looking to make, you know, you're trying to apply logic to something that's actual, you know, existential in a, in, a, in, in its own way as well. Um, so I think, you know, children, you know, have this amazing ability to see, you know, the layers of things and not be able to maybe specifically have the words to articulate it, but they feel them. Um, and so, but I think there are things definitely that, that, that they'll, they'll grasp and, 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 and take in, but then, you know, there's definitely things that, you know, over time as they get older, that I think they'll have a better understanding if they revisit, uh, you know, this story. That's why I think it's, again, it's like, it's, it's disguised as this children's book. And it's like, and I think that's the, the, the brilliance of it. It's, it's, it's like sometimes these messages that, that come uh, to us have to be presented in a way, not necessarily in, a, in just this palatable way, but in, in, a, in a creative way that, that adults and people can absorb it. So they don't even realize they're here sitting there reading this, 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 this book to their child. And then they're, they're taking it in and they're like, oh, oh. Oh, they're having these old self-realizations, um, and and then and 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 you know you'll find that in many circles around the planet that a lot of adults are like, yes, I have my children read it. I read it to my children at this young age, or schools that are studying it from the primary age, and it's like sometimes I'm like, wow, holy cow, like <laughs> it, it's a lot. It's it's a lot to kind of cover, but um, it seems to be this this borderline child adult book that's penetrated like all these all these you know societies and um and 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 levels of 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 humanity that i'm i'm like wow there's something to 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 acknowledge here there's something there's something here <laughs> well even when you when you talk about how many times it's been translated and i read this in french the first time i read it um and then to understand that the word tame is very different in french than it is in english yes. and kind of what the intention is and i was like oh yes. thank you for bringing that up cuz yeah how do you and i mean that might even be a cultural thing right how do we treat our relationships that's fascinating it is and it's and it's and it is there in that translation unfortunately yes you know from the french to the english things get lost and and there was a period where i wanted to go into the to the three english um you know um uh translations and but i was like oh my gosh this is like too much so i i i kind of kept to that but there is a loss of of poetry, there's a loss of specificity in some of the language that's used in the translation that, you know, being a Westerner, it's like, you know, growing up on this side or whatever, it's just like, you're like, what? Tame, huh? <laughs> yeah. What does that mean? I don't do that. Taming is like for animals. And that was definitely something that I I definitely needed folks to talk about in the film um, as I was going, doing my rounds with individuals. Because I found that a lot of people gravitate towards the fox and, and, and that relationship with the little prince and, and the lessons there. And the, the, you know, the most famous line coming out of this, this wise little fox of, about, you know, um, 
it is only with a heart that one can see rightly what is essential is invisible to the eye. And it's like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> There's a this, universal truth. Thank you so much. This, and how do you as a translator figure out how to make that work, right? I know, right? Oh. And and it was incredible. Like, you know, Christine Nelson, who's the curator at the Morgan Museum Library in, in New York, where the the original manuscript lives, she actually pulled out this, and I'm, I'm sorrowful it didn't make it in the film, but she pulled out this page where, you know, uh, what is essential is invisible to the eye, like the different versions that Santek Subari went through to get to that line, you know, as a writer, you know, like it's such an amazing list of different versions of that. And, um, and I had to read it and it was just, oh man, I'm like, oh, this didn't make it in the film, but it's it's I do want to convolute the the main line and kind of take away the weight of it is in the end. That's why I didn't include the other ones. But but they were all they all led to this line. And for a writer to get to that line, sometimes it's like you don't want anyone to know about the scraps of the ideas before. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so they were just so brilliant. Just came to them naturally. They didn't actually have like 10, 15 versions of the same line. No. Stand up comedy is uh, easy. That's why stand up comics do it, right? It's so right? simple. Yeah. <laughs> it's so simple. Oh my goodness. Um, but it is a it is such a thing that I think you know as well. Where uh, right now and the rise of of I don't want to use the word nationalism in, in a negative way. I think there's positives with it, but it's like this idea of identities and these ideas of 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 who we are and tolerance. And I don't even like that word tolerance. Like, why do we have to t- use the word tolerance for other human beings? Do I have to tolerate another human being? Like, is that absurd or or what? But anyway, um, the you know our eyes and our senses have been kind of failing us in a certain way. You know, like we, we see things that are happening right in front of us and we're not calling it. We feel things that are not right and we're not calling it. Um, and, and, you know, would there be less racism and, and less sexism and less violence if we didn't, if we didn't rely upon our eyes, which is a terrible thing to think about. Um, if we couldn't see, and, you know, I was posing that 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 this in a conversation with with a lot of the individuals in the film who are artists who rely upon their their eyesight uh, for their livelihood for their creative uh, you know well being and 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 it's for them for folks to actually take a moment and think about that what senses we have to rely upon and how we have to feel things more and would this world how would this world function. You know, if we if we weren't able to call people by, you know, if they're able bodied or this and have these judge, judgments um, and and I think, again, like this it may sound quite literal, yet put in a literal context. But the beauty of that line is, is like, what are we connecting to when we see things? Is it penetrating us to the point of our hearts because our window, our eyes are supposed to be windows to our soul. Right. And. And, and, and I love these sort of ideas around sight and, you know, and this young boy that's also in the film, Sahil, the seven-year-old boy who's blind and, um, and how he operates in the world and watching him, which, you know, it doesn't encapsulate it in the film, but it's like how he actually navigates physically in the world. It takes a minute for you to realize that he actually is blind. Because he feels through a room. He feels, when I first met him walking down the hallway, he led us to the elevator. And when you directly were to put his finger on the button, you had to like push, like he, he has to use his senses and memory and feeling and count paces and things in a whole different way to maneuver in the planet. But he's doing it at such a top speed 
speed that you you don't know that his you know his cognitive skills are, are catching up to his, his quote unquote um, you know inabilities. So it's can we do that as human beings? It's a big challenge, but it's like can we can we feel fall, go with what we feel in our chest more than this sort of constant logical like you know black and white sort of perspective on things you know um which i think contributes to our division a lot more and i'm so glad you brought him up because i was like how have we not talked about sahil yet he's amazing and that opening that you do where you do you're doing like the, uh, the classic like instructional videos about eyesight and stuff and then you're like okay this is obviously a new interpretation did i press play on the wrong screener <laughs> <laughs> you know it's yeah. so jarring but you're setting us up for that and that's so amazing and then you meet this young man who is incredible as you watch him and he's got that joy he is a modern little prince as i'm sure everybody is saying yes yeah. and he's got that joy and with and you know, it's amazing when you and it puts you, snaps you into into some sort of former perspective when you're watching someone so young and you're realizing also like how many years ahead of them and how much struggle they're going to have as they grow older and how people look at them. They can't see how people are looking at them. They can feel things. They know how they're being treated. They have. They can feel it when he's talking to me about how you know he can he can feel like other children the way they maneuver around him and at school and and how he's treated and for him to actually have and you know and I'm full bodied and I have my vision and and whatever I'm great getting grayer hair whatever I'm getting older but it's like I'm I'm fully functional and look how grateful this child is oh, I look. used a whole Kleenex for today has been a magical day oh <laughs> just because it's just you're so full of excitement and joy for him at the same time as you're like oh so much more is coming you know like it's a very conflicting feeling as an adult seeing that it is. It is conflicting, and it's just like, wow, where do you, like he, this this child is having this magical experience. Ooh, I'm so sorry, no, a magical experience, and is so joyful. There's fear, and there's moments where he he has his fears and things, but you know, every time with him, the most curious individual I've ever met. Like he 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 was taking photographs. He was all over our crew, like pl learning about sound and how to operate the camera. Like you couldn't like keep him off of things. And I'm like, wow. Like I like able-bodied children are, are aren't even you know fully functional. Like like that curious. Yeah. And I'm like, and and he's off to the next thing. And his joy and his jokes and his dancing and his freedom and. And, and I'm just thinking, man, I just want him to have this so at least in the future as he gets older, he can reflect back to this time of his childhood, you know, because he is inevitably going to face a whole different level of challenges, you know, turning into a teenager and, you know, trying to live on his own and functioning in this world without his sight is going to be really challenging. And, and um, wow, it's, it's just incredible. Ugh, Charles, I could talk to you all day. <laughs> I have uh, two more quick questions for you because unfortunately yeah. we have to end up. Uh, first one, I, these are two questions I ask all of my guests. Do you have a favorite Canadian film that you'd like to recommend to our listeners? Oh, wow. Oh, my goodness. Um, wow. Uh, that's such a tough one. I know. Uh, but I am going to shout out two really – I'm going to throw two out there that are really um, – kind of extremely <laughs> opposite films just because uh you know there is an epic 
three-hour documentary, I don't even want to call it that, by Peter Mettler. Um, the title is Gambling Gods and LSD. Um, and it is, you know, he, he's a mentor of mine, a great friend as well. You know, I want to use that term now, but it's, it's, um, it's just, it's just a, a, a remarkable piece of work, um, that I think that people should, should take the time to take in and you don't, you don't have to watch it all in one sitting. And then, you know, there's, there's a, a film that I, I saw just a, uh, last year that has stayed with me and, and people might find it um, a little strange in some aspects, but uh, I think it's, it's, it's quite an incredible uh, piece of work and a filmmaker to watch out for. His name is Ian Lagarde uh, and it's called All You Can Eat Buddha. And I'm just shouting it out. It's it's things that that I'm sure people and listeners are probably be like, what the heck? I've never <laughs> seen these films, but you know, I'm going to shout out those ones. Beautiful. Thank you so much. And then uh, my last question is, what do you think Canada needs to support its artists more? Wow. Um, I think uh, at at its core, I think vision and and um, bravery. I honestly, I, 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 I'm not even going to break it down to dollars and cents and, 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 uh, you know, uh, uh, the, the system that's in place is, 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 has been functioning in a certain way and, 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 and it's trying to move with the times and, 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 you know, this whole, you know, massive digital explosion, the Netflixes and, 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 and Hulus and these platforms and Amazon primes. And, you know, in Canada, we have to embrace that we, we are players in, in a certain percentage of players on this planet. And for the creators and for the artists to actually, you know, have other options for work to reach broader audiences, I think it's not an enemy. I don't think it's 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 something that we 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 have to embrace and 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 figure out how to work with. It's um you know it's it, we need we need we need a little more vision and trust and and getting behind you know if we're making setting mandates, you know, for, for gender parity and for diversity and for these words that I think that we've often thought was just in our DNA and we're, you know, reckoning with that it hasn't been, um, that, that now that we're saying it, then, you know, provide the, the space then provide, provide, don't, don't let it just be a mandate, you know, and, and, and lead people off to kind of flounder, like, you know, really, get under the 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 talent and and uh so that we're not disappearing and leaving and and seeking elsewhere to make things um we have amazing plethora of stories that are canadian that can only be really uh funded initially or at least you know out of canada like it, it really goes a long way when you know canadian stories are already have backing from canadian financiers and and broadcasters when we want to take it out into the international place not the other way around we shouldn't be expected to get you know the americans and the international interest in our projects before the canadians get behind us you know so i think that's a that's a an important step to to take Thank you so much for that articulation. <laughs> that's uh, that's perfection. Thank you. Uh, Charles, this has been incredible. And uh, I really hope everybody goes and asks the questions that they're yelling at me because I didn't ask. Uh, at the <laughs> March 8th screening at Hot Dogs. That sounds beautiful. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate the conversation. My pleasure. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Royal Canadian Movie Podcast. If you like what we're doing, please remember to rate us and subscribe on iTunes or on your favorite podcatcher. It helps people find our podcast and Canadian media they love. 
Come chat with us at RCM Pod on Facebook or on Twitter at RCM Pod. Our theme song is by Craig Stewart and our show art is by Paul Stachniak. Join us next week for another great film from the wilds of Canadian cinema.